We're live. Welcome in, everybody. I have a burp in me, but I'm going to keep it in. It's Friday, <laughs> 11.02 a.m. Central, February 17th. A lot to talk about today. Community forum time. Uh, Bob, Hans, Rodman, all part of my community. Uh, awesome supporters. We've, they've been around for a long time. And uh, we have a lot to talk about today. I have uh, our president of the United States, Mr. Joe Biden, in the background because he said Tesla this week and i just want to give him some props thank you mr president you know it's just i'm a i'm a i like to think i'm an independent thinker but and i don't want to be biased and when somebody does something good i want to give him props so thank you mr president well done really appreciate you uh <laughs> the producer wife agrees <laughs> um awesome so let's kick it off with uh the really let me let me actually give a little bit more uh, preface here so every friday we get together uh, our community and we discuss all the topics that have happened around tesla elon musk twitter the world of tech and AI with our community members. And then after about an hour and a half, we take it privately with my uh, private Discord, uh, which you can sign up through by clicking on join right below this video. And those videos will also be live streamed, but only for members. And you can also be part of the panel. So it's like this kind of cool thing that we're trying out. Um, and with the first topic we're starting today is around the, this full self-driving recall thing, which a lot of people have talked about yesterday. I would love to get the, the panel's thoughts, but it's a, uh, it's strange and i think we can do something about it so producer wife my beautiful wife go ahead and pull up the uh the one of the articles that was created uh that brought attention to the public about what this full self-driving thing is for tesla in case you're not familiar uh tesla had a quote-unquote recall where they uh recalled uh 362,000 cars with uh what popular mechanics says is dangerous unlawful full self-driving tech, which I found to be one of the worst headlines humanly possible. In reality, what this is, is that uh, there were some instances with the full self-driving beta where uh, the car wasn't behaving ideally uh, when it was just allowed to do its thing. And of course, the driver is still responsible for ensuring the, the car is doing the right thing. There were no accidents or injuries from that. Um, and uh, Nitsa's like, hey, Tesla, do you think this is something you could uh, fix? Tesla's like, yeah, it's you know part of the process, but we'll go ahead and, and issue a software update for these cars. Uh, it doesn't require anybody to bring in their cars. It's just uh, they send the software update to the to the to the vehicles, and uh, it will get fixed. And they're supposed to be doing this by April twenty uh, something. But this uh, this article and others as well, as I'm sure if you follow the story, make it seem as if this thing is uh, the worst thing in the world. It's unfixable. You have to bring your car. Uh, quite disingenuous reporting, in my opinion. In the same time, at the same time, there was a, a recall for a different uh, car maker. If you want to pull that up, producer wife, uh, with the uh, Ram. Ram recalls three hundred and forty thousand heavy duty diesel trucks for engine fires again. So I would like to ask you a question out there in the in the internet world. Which one did you hear about more in the in the news media? Which one which one was the one that actually caught your eye? Which one was the one that was discussed? Which one is the one that brought attention, you know, to to the different news outlets? Um, and we're uh, highlighting the word again. One of them is fixed with the software update. The other one, uh, you may have to probably definitely bring it into a dealer where they have to make some changes, probably to some hoses or something. Uh, but I just want to highlight the the sort of weirdness about this whole thing. Uh, it's the word recalls being used for a software update. Uh, I think very incorrectly. In this case, the RAM is having an engine fire issue again, but it gets little to no coverage in the mainstream media. And uh, it's actually something that's actually dangerous, uh, in my opinion. So 
Uh, there is a something we're trying to do about it with my community. So one of our uh, members, MCO from our Discord, actually put together a, a change.org petition, if you want to bring that up, producer wife. Modernize NHTSA's recall language to better address software versus hardware issues. And this was created literally like half an hour ago, already has 36 signatures. Um, and if you would like the verbiage around NHTSA calling uh, recalls uh, correctly and actually call them you know, software updates or somehow change it so that the public isn't misled about what some of these things are. And it's not just a Tesla issue. This is going to be an everybody issue as we go into more and more car makers coming out with software in their cars that's going to be upgradable over the air. This is not just going to be a Tesla thing. Everybody is going to be able to take advantage of over the air updates to fix some of these issues. Uh, we believe, at least I believe, and if you believe, and if you agree with this petition, I would encourage you to go sign this petition so that we can bring some more attention to light uh, to what's going on with this thing. Elon Musk tweeted about it yesterday as well. He thinks you know there's some just verbiage, just craziness. But we're, our community has uh, taken the initiative to actually try to create some change. So I'll have producer wife post a link to this petition in the comments section. We'll pin it to the top, and uh, yeah, we'll take it from there. But who wants to uh, who wants to give us their thoughts on this whole thing? We'll turn it into a conversation and see where it goes. Who wants to go first? I know Bob, you were saying some things before we went live. Maybe you go yeah, first. Yeah, yes, I'll take it. So I think the legal term that uh, describes this is bullshit. Uh, <laughs> this, this is complete nonsense. So this is stock manipulation. This is some either short interest or somebody betting against Tesla stock, uh, as putting out a story that's you know partially true that there's a recall. Now, just to put it in context, I'm pointing that way, and about a block down the a block that way, <laughs> there is a Tesla service center. And if I look outside my door, there's a line of 8,000 cars waiting to get that uh, OTA done. Not, you know, it's absurd. It, uh, you know, the Ram trucks, and we were talking about this, any vehicle that has to be, to, that's recalled other than this has to go in. And uh, it's a cost to either the company, and it's certainly inconvenience to the owner. And this is completely deceptive and it should be an illegal practice and it is an illegal practice but it's not contested or enforced and this is just another example you know i i went with all the naked shorts we we I, you know, at some point in time we talked about it just just another example of a manner in which retail traders can get screwed by misinformation by the big boys who have the ability to manipulate the market. So I think it's complete bullshit. I think it should be investigated. I think it should be, we should continue to raise the issue and it should be dealt at a congressional level. Rodman Hans, your thoughts. Oh, we can't hear you, buddy. Looks like you messed up your inputs. Whatever you did, do the opposite. <laughs> Hans, go ahead. <laughs> Yeah, I I liked your comment on this the other day that basically mainstream media channels are just essentially the same as YouTubers. So think of the worst clickbait YouTuber that you've ever watched one of their videos. And that's essentially what mainstream media has devolved into. And we've all experienced that. And so, yeah, like they can kind of try and frame it however they want to. Yes, maybe there is a potential for some unsafety and you can write a clickbait headline that sounds absolutely awful but yeah it's just baseless 
Yeah, just to continue, can you hear me? Yeah. Am I good? Okay. So yeah, uh, of those two, which do you think got more clicks? Tesla or RAM? Oh, definitely the RAM one for sure. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, that's, that's my thoughts on it. But uh, yeah. like this actually is also like just the niche issue that's more interesting to me is there was another part of this whole thing where um, there's rules about like how long the car has to stop at a red light. I mean, at a stop, stop sign. And like, I think what happens in most of the world is, you know, people don't see anyone in the cross traffic and they make a little bit of a rolling stop. At least that's a California way, right? What kind and, of accusations are you giving out, Rodman? Jeez. <laughs> I, I mean, <laughs> like it never happens, right? But like this brings up a more like root cause, like what are the reasons for having these rules, right? Mm. What? Why do we have stop signs? Why are you not allowed to make a rolling stop through a stop sign? What do stop signs accomplish, right? And it's to reduce accidents, but like it's it's kind of, it makes no sense that we're enforcing these rules like when you have technology that kind of makes the whole rule sort of obsolete. The point is to reduce accidents, right? Yep. And the reason we stop at stop signs is because someone might be like, you might not see something, but like at some point the computer is so good that like it should be able to know when like there's any risk of having an accident and it should just be able to roll right through a, go straight through a stop sign if there's no real reason. Right. I think humans are fallible because we make mistakes but computers are less valuable if they're designed correctly, right? And yeah. so, like, if we get enough data to prove that this thing doesn't need to stop at stop signs or just slow down is fine, like, that should be a thing that we need to eventually allow. But I guess that's more of a legal issue. <clears throat> Good but I think one of the oh. other things, though, in this situation that is good to see is just that dance between NHTSA and Tesla and trying to figure out, like, how do we implement this autonomous self-driving software in the real world? And so watching them go back and forth and make recommendations and kind of negotiate and then implement fixes, and then they're easy to uh, basically roll out to the fleet fixes, like, all of that to me is a good signal that as Tesla continues to march towards full self-driving, um, being able to be fully responsible for the car, whether that's in a robo-taxi context or not, that this gives me signals that they're on a good trajectory to figure out how to negotiate all the questions that come up around that and figure out how to not hold the technology back. Um, I just had a couple things to add. So. I, I think I read somewhere that the issue really, the real issue was the yellows. And that is a difficult issue because technically speaking, it may be correct to stop, but from a pr practical standpoint, it may be more dangerous to stop. Uh, you know, you've been in that position. When do you stop as you're approaching the intersection? And sometimes it's more dangerous to stop and sometimes it's less. And to, to Rodman, who I enjoyed his MBA career very much, um, I think your the issue about you know coordination um, and about computers being able to make the decisions better than humans. It's relevant if all the cars on the road are the same, 
and they all speak to each other. But it's hard to predict some guy who had too much, too many beers and is driving, you know, a 1993 Peugeot through the intersection, what he's going to do. That's really the, the, I mean, that's the issue, being able to predict what the others are going to do when they're not on your system. And that's the difficulty. Um, the other thing was, and, and you referenced the regulatory side, and I'm going to do a video on this, by the way, at some point. And I was completely flabbergasted. I did a video with the title, Tesla, Slander, and the Sex Room, and nobody looks at it. I'm just shocked. But anyway, I'm going to do a video on- work on your clickbait. <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm going to uh, do a video on one thing that Tesla did is, you know, remember Elon talked about establishing uh, a team, a litigation team? Well, they did. And, you know, nobody talked about it, but they did. And one of the people that they hired was a heavy hitter in regulatory matters. And he's in, in DC. And the, you know, we've, we've talked about the FSD and regulatory issues. So just so we know in the background, they're working on it you know, on a regulatory fashion too. The last point, the Dan O'Dowd, he's the one who ran the uh, Green Hill that's a competitor to FSD supposedly, who also provided, I think BMW works with BMW. And I saw some video where BMW crosses the line and kills like, like four people. But anyway, he, Put out a commercial on the Super Bowl that was shown in some places that questioned FSD. And so my question was, did he get leaked this recall notice? Because the timing, because I, I thought it was risky for him to do what he did. Because two things he did on there was he said a kid, I mean, I'm paraphrasing, but he said a kid could get, look at this, a kid was just, could have been just killed. It wasn't like couldn't been, it was more in the moment. And then it was the baby getting on the stroller. And it wasn't, could have been, it was more in the moment. It wasn't opinion, in my opinion, and it was deceptive. But if he had this recall notice and knew that it was going to come out, there was going to be some statement that the computers were defective and there was an issue about intersections, which was what he was talking about on those two occasions, I'm wondering if he got an inside notice, which would also piss me off. And it would be inappropriate for him to get leaked information from, from NHTSA who also is immune from suit because of their connection to government. So so let me ask you this question. Why isn't Dan O'Dowd making the commercial about just cruise control? Not even the traffic aware cruise control, like just cruise control. I feel like that could kill a lot of people if you just let it do its thing, right? You just put it at 45 and then you're like, oh, I forgot it's at 45 and it just barrels through a freaking building. So why why aren't we getting the same level of of attention to just regular cruise control? You know, like on the roads, if we're going to go uh, along the same sort of uh, thought process, there's millions of cars on the road today, tens of probably <laughs> probably 100 million cars on the road globally that have cruise control that you just if you leave it on and you don't press the brake or nothing, it just it will just barrel through an intersection. We're allowing drivers to have that. You know, it's a, it's, a, it's just a fascinating nitpicky. I think it's it just uh, in my opinion, and you know, I want to make sure this is a statement of opinion. It's not a statement of fact, it's a statement of opinion that uh, a behavior like that, uh, cars having that seem to be way more dangerous than a system that is meant to be supervised, just like cruise control. But the cruise control one could be a lot more dangerous because at least there's some safety features or a full self-driving that allow it to know what's going on. And it's just that to me is what what it's it's just hypocritical, right? That That's really my conclusion with this whole Dan O'Dowd thing. It's just it's obviously uh, biased.
to me, in my opinion. Go ahead, Bob. Yeah, I was just going to say, if the person comes up and just says, I'm competing with these guys, so take that into account, but here's my, here's my spiel, that's fine. But he doesn't even he doesn't even admit that he's competing with Tesla's FSD. He refuses right. to acknowledge that. So I think he's completely, in my opinion, since he's a member of my state and he ran for Senate and got a total of one percent of the vote in the primary, um, I think uh, he's not a very credible gentleman. Hunter Rodman, any any thoughts? I, I do want to highlight some of the details around uh, the actual thing from Nitsa. Okay, uh, go ahead and pull up a tweet um, that I just linked on the private chat there, producer wife. Uh, this is a tweet from uh, Holmar's catalog on Twitter, uh, aka Omar. Omar is a great resource if you really want to follow uh, full self-driving developments. Uh, he's been a, a part of the Tesla crew for a long time. Uh, just a great, great resource. Uh, let's go ahead and uh, pull up the tweet and um, click on the, <laughs> the private chat. It's just funny right now. Uh, Go ahead, uh, producer wife. Go ahead and uh, share that tweet if you don't mind. Uh, is it is it coming up? I'm I'm not seeing it. Are you guys seeing it? No. Producer wife, are you there? Oh, oh, I'm I'm looking. What's what's going on? Yeah. Hold on. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, Gary Black. Sorry, I I have the wrong person. Look at you guys. Oh my goodness. Go ahead and pull up Gary Black's tweet. My bad. I thought I sent you the, the a different one, but go ahead. The, the Gary Black one works. Um, and Gary Black has a highlight of the, of the NHTSA sort of statement from, from full self-driving software, but go follow Holmar's catalog anyway. He's a great resource. Go ahead and uh, pull up that picture for us uh, and, and read some of the detail behind this, um, what NHTSA is claiming. So the, what, just to give, make sure everybody has context on what we're talking about. This is a this is the official NHTSA sort of statement, and the uh, purple square is the reason why uh, NHTSA put together this quote unquote recall. Uh, I just read it for the ones that are on on headphones. Uh, Model Y vehicles equipped with full self driving beta software or pending installation. The FSD beta system may allow the vehicle to act on safe around intersections, such as traveling straight through an intersection while in a turn only lane, entering a stop sign control intersection without coming to a complete stop or proceeding into an intersection during a steady yellow traffic signal without due caution. In addition, the system may respond insufficiently to changes in posted speed limits or not adequately account for the driver's adjustment of the vehicle's speed to exceed posted speed limits. And the, the fascinating thing about what Ronman was saying earlier and based on the NHTSA um, Oh, and let me read the remedy real quick. Tesla will release an over the air update uh, software. Uh, free of charge, owner notification letters are expected to be mailed by April 15th. Owners may contact Tesla customer service at blah, blah, blah. So it's like, hey, um, the car is behaving how every human driver does, and you should fix it. So to me, is a, this is great. <laughs> you know, it's, 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 I think it really highlights just how powerful the software is. Is that, hey, this car is literally driving like everybody else. It's using the data that everybody's feeding in and it's behaving like a human driver. But a human, it's, I think it proves that human drivers are not good. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's just fascinating that, that, that verbiage that we use there. Um, any final thoughts on this topic before we move on to, to something else? What's the urgency expressed when they give to April 15th to send a letter? It's February. So, I mean, is this like uh, how serious a catastrophe is this if they let two months more pass by? Not. Fair, fair point. Rodman? 
and then like yeah i, I never mind uh, we'll just move on <laughs> just, <laughs> Hans? So dumb. no okay all right uh what do you guys want to talk about uh is there any topics uh on docket anything you guys want to hit um has happened this week that's going to happen later go ahead bob yeah so two things and i'm going to start off with one and i'll let somebody else carry the second one so the two things i wanted to talk about were the buffalo uh strike that strike in buffalo which i thought was interesting and then the h the hardware four and hardware three and who gets it and that issue so i'm going to leave that second issue to you guys because i think you're stronger in that point and i'm going to deal with the first one so the Buffalo issue, because I saw Tesla's response. Tesla did respond. I think they responded to my uh, to my video, I believe. Uh, I think they were one of the four views, in my opinion. Oh, but, yeah, for sure. Uh, they responded. So the, the facts were uh, Tesla uh, fired a bunch of employees. The allegation was they were trying to unionize. And if uh, under the National Labor Relations Act, you can't fire somebody who's trying to unionize. There's exception if they uh, if they do certain acts. There's an exception to firing them. Tesla denied the that they did it based on union activity. I think it was like performance reviews, etc. The timing's obviously suspect. I'm sure there will be claims that are filed and lawsuits filed. But ultimately, the remedy is either reinstatement or back pay. So whatever happens here. It is insignificant to Tesla. It, it, even if they lose everything and they have to pay back pay to everybody or rehire everybody, it's immaterial. And again, just just like we're talking about NHTSA, it was presented as a big deal. You know, we get this headline and it immediately impacts the stock price, at least on a short-term basis. And again, it's bullshit in terms of the materiality. So that's kind of the quick summary. Robin or Hans, any... Go ahead. Sorry, Bob. Oh, no, he's, he's stepping back. Robin? Yeah, like, we talked about this a bit in the Discord uh, when it first broke. And what I posted there was, yeah, hard to know what's going on. I've heard two narratives. The first narrative is the obvious narrative that employees got fired because the... Well, the, they, the employees... Uh, organized and then tesla fired them and then the counter narrative is that oh we were tesla was about to fire them anyway so they formed a uh they they filed all the stuff to to organize just in time right so we've heard both sides of it tesla is basically saying the latter the counter narrative and then like even if you don't like even if it's not clear what the truth is like like in the end, like, I guess we'll only find out in a court, like for some kind of determination of whether that is true, or it may just not even hit the court. Right. It might be settled. Like, uh, like, like Bob say, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I, I think it's kind of sucky that those people lost the jobs, but they're kind of probably not the best jobs anyway. They're very seem very, um, like, I don't know, very just data intensive, like repetitive types of jobs. Yeah. So it sounds like um, a lot of the stuff is being taken over by automation and AI already. So, yeah, I just, yeah, I don't see, I see it more as the counter narrative, the Tesla side, but I'm biased. So that's my thoughts. 
real quick, I want I do want to highlight that Tesla did put together a formal response for this, uh, which I think is uh, they did it before back in the FUD years of like 17, 18 and 19 when everybody was coming at them heavy. They kind of cooled off a little bit in the last couple of years. And then it seems like some of the feedback they've been receiving from a lot of investors that, hey, you know, something like this would be really helpful to fight FUD and stuff. Looks like this is one of the first ones we've had in a long time. You want to go ahead and click on that link, uh, producer wife. Yeah, so so, and if you're interested, we'll post a link to this tweet in the comment section as well. Uh, Tessa did have a, a formal letter that outlined exactly what happened here in relation to this. So Tessa says, by the way, shout out 420 viewers, AE, get it? Uh, there is a false allegation that Tesla terminated employees and then uh, due to, to, to a new union campaign. And really the summary here is that uh, if you go to the uh, fifth bullet point, one, two, three, four, five, uh, the impacted employees uh, were identified on February 3rd, which were going to be uh, let let go because of their yearly, uh, essentially, uh, reorganization. You know, every year, they every got, everybody gets um, graded you know, on their performance. And then uh, the bottom 5 to 10% are let go because that's what you do to, in order to keep a healthy organization. Uh, the impacted employees were identified on February 3rd, which was well before the union campaign was announced. We became aware of organizing activities approximately 10 days later. We learned in hindsight that one of out of one out of the 27 impact employee officially identified as part of the union campaign. This exercise predated any union campaign. Uh, and so this is their formal request. So it was one out of 27 that now that identified as part of the union. Um, and the reason why that he was laid let go was because he, according to Tesla, had or he or she uh, had poor performance. So I just want to make sure that this is outlined. Hans, did you have any thoughts before we uh, we throw to the rest of the panel on this? No, that was the one thing that I was going to highlight there, that it was like they were firing a number of people and it wasn't that everybody that they fired was part of the union organization thing. I've also heard rumors that the Buffalo auto labeling team is kind of a problem child. Um especially in relationship to the performance of the California team and that, yeah, they have needed to clean house for a while just on a performance basis. Oh, so we got some just big breaking news. Uh, Tesla has chosen Mexico as a location to expand its operations and Elon Musk will speak with Mexican President Andre Ma Andres Manuel Lopez Obrador. Come on, I was born in Spain. I got to be able to read that properly uh mexico's top diplomat said friday okay so go ahead and let's let's look at yahoo finance here i should probably change the title of this uh stream eh? uh let's see texica tesla mexico is real tesla look at my look at my if anybody has any thoughts for a better clickbait title let me know <laughs> uh let's go ahead and uh so we just got wind of this let's go ahead and read through it uh real quick scroll down a little bit for me Electric automaker Tesla has chosen Mexico as a location to expand its operations, and Tesla head Elon Musk will speak with Mexican President Andre Andres Manuel López Obrador, Mexico's top diplomat, said Friday. Mexican Foreign Minister Marcelo uh, Ebrard said the date of the call between Musk and López uh, Obrador would be given later Friday afternoon. He declined to name the specific location for Tesla's Mexico expansion. Um, okay, so it looks like it's official. Um so this is breaking news for us. So we're just kind of going. This I think this is the first time we've had this before on this on this live stream. Texaco is happening. 
So now what what there needs to be a taco, like a taco off between Gigafactory Texas and Gigafactory Mexico to see who's got the best tacos. Uh instant you, reactions. How about Go ahead, California? Bob. How about California and tacos? Ah, uh, well, I don't know. <laughs> we'll let you fight for it. Uh Hans Reitman, Bob, any any instant reactions on this? Well, we've been expecting Mexico, right? So yeah. this is I guess we were expecting it maybe on March one. The announcement so uh, uh yeah so maybe it won't actually be announced till march one maybe just the calls and the because what's today we're like two weeks up so maybe it maybe it will be officially announced march one i don't know i'm looking at the stock if the stock's moving i don't think the stock's particularly moving take a look. i just want to hear something official from tesla because this sounds like it's coming is that right it's coming from mexico uh that's what it looks like yeah let me see tesla mexico so i do wonder why um i I'm, I'm curious to see why and it's a reuters too so reuters reported this as well so go ahead and pull that up please wife, if you don't mind um i'm curious to see if there's different verbiage from reuters um let's go ahead and take a look and in the comment section if you do hear anything from tesla officially do let us know Again, this is sort of breaking news for us. We're just sifting through it as we I go think, live. You know, when they were talking about the president, you know, so there was two two locations that they talked about um, in Monterey, Nuevo Leon, and then they talked about near an airport near outside of Mexico City. And the one that was uh, in Monterey, they referred to the governor of Monterey. And the one when they were referring to the airport near the airport, it was referring to the president of Mexico. So I, I don't know if that's a indicative of where it will be or i'm just making it up or it's not significant but that's i remember that distinction got it um real quick let me read the reuters article electric automaker tesla has chosen mexico as a location to expand its operations and uh tesla had elon musk will speak with mexican president uh friday so it's kind of the same verbiage let's scroll down a little bit um okay so it's literally the same same article okay um Hans Rodman, any any thoughts? Where's your head go with this? Yeah, I agree with Rodman. I want to see an official announcement with a source being Tesla, not I mean, we've seen so many things coming out of Indonesia as well. It it's hard to say, you know, how much of this is just negotiation and maneuvering to try and get things finalized. Um, it wouldn't surprise me though to see an official announcement before. March 1st, and then they could build on that at Investor Day as well. Um, and yeah, I think Mexico, of course, as we've talked about before, makes a lot of sense from a number of reasons. Uh, the thing that I'm most curious about is, okay, what's the roadmap for, like, what's the product that is going to be manufactured there in Mexico? Are we looking at megapacks? Are we looking at cars? Are we looking at both? Are we looking at solar? um how much battery production is going to be there all those questions so and i th think we're much more likely to get answers about all of that at investor day even if we do get an announcement before then got it go ahead uh Ronnie. yeah i think also is there another factory also planned because last time we saw <clears throat> the most you know, we have Texas and Berlin coming up at the same time. I would expect that to happen again. Um, do we see something else either 
um, and where is it, Indonesia or Canada, maybe all three. Um, and yeah, exactly. What what is being produced there? Is it more battery packs? Do we get more, obviously more cars? What cars? Um, and what what's strategically located near Mexico as far as like battery production or um, even raw materials that makes it more efficient to produce cars faster um, and to to deliver those cars, right? Because if you produce in Mexico, you have to get those out of that country and into other countries as exports. So, um, but yeah, I guess free trade agreements are also, or the North American free trade agreements make it so it's easy to get those cars into the U.S. So, yeah, it's there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, upside in that. <clears throat> well, and then also or the hunts. IRA Sorry, because. Yeah, all the provisions in the IRA about battery materials and battery assembly, like manufacturing, a lot of that stuff. Um, you get extra points if it's... Because I don't think Indonesia is one of the countries that counts in that uh, that agreement. Go ahead, Bob. Yeah, I was saying the only thing that I remember the discussion that was confusing about the airport location is what the benefit of the airport would be uh, as opposed to like a rail line or something like that. I see Tesla's moving a little bit now, by the way. Um, so I don't I don't know about again, it didn't make sense. Maybe they're going to they would build another rail line adjacent to the airport. I don't know. I have access to the new uh, Bing chat thing uh, search, uh, and this one has uh, sources. So uh, this should be accurate. Uh, in the comments section, let us know if this is actually accurate, if you're, a, uh, if you're a, um, um, knowledgeable in this matter. According to my web search, says Microsoft Bing, some of, the raw some of the raw materials that are available in Mexico for battery production are cobalt, lithium, nickel, graphite, manganese, and copper. Mexico also has a potential advantage of for manufacturing lithium batteries due to its proximity to the United States. Uh, so it looks like there is. I'm curious to see how much of those raw materials are available in Mexico versus the rest of the world. Uh, maybe that's what I'll ask it next. But it does. It, I wonder, has Jordan made any videos around Mexico and batteries uh, from the limiting factor? Um, Jordan, if you're watching this, bro, what are you doing? What are you waiting for, bro? <laughs> just kidding <laughs> i was gonna say also the environmental laws probably in uh, mexico are much more relaxed than in the united states so they probably could produce uh more dangerous components uh more freely at a lower co regulatory cost than they could in the u.s and i do wonder too with given given that one of the things we were um Sorry, let me let me take a, take us back to this view. Sorry, producer wife, I took over production here for a second. My apologies. Um, one of the things that we've been speculating about was how Mexico <laughs> was how Mexico uh, their their labor is cheaper than China. I think that what was one of the things we discovered is that labor uh, per hour out of Mexico is cheaper than China. And so you're thinking about what is the next vehicle that Tesla is going to get be getting into is that compact car. So it seems like Mexico might be the perfect place to uh for this announcement of this factory that will be responsible for building this compact car 
which based on Tesla's estimation will be 50% of the cost to build versus every other car. And, and if and if this is really lined up with the master plan part three and the gen three unveil at uh, Gigafactor era on investor day, I think saying, hey, and we've identified our first factory to do this, it's going to be in Mexico. That's, it seems like it's kind of starting to line up a little bit. Hans, go ahead. I just know that we've all, and not for no reason, um, kind of assumed that the Gen 3 platform is going to be the compact car, that that is what's next. And it does align in many ways with the master plan that we want to accelerate, you know, try and get the affordability down so that more people have access to an electric vehicle and, and a compelling, excellent electric vehicle at that. But based on if we have lithium supply shortages and just basically volume caps on the total number of vehicles that we can put out, is it possible that the next platform is going to be a larger platform that is conducive to hitting the large SUV and the van market first um, and then still keeping the compact vehicle on the roadmap, but not announcing that as the next vehicle. I think that would prevent Osborning of the current vehicle lineup. And like those are major segments that are highly profitable that need to be addressed by Tesla and would not put nearly as much strain on the supply chain. So I don't know. That's just one of the things that I've been thinking about recently. Fair enough. Rodman, Bob, thoughts? Yeah, I think uh, another interesting idea is <clears throat> we're still so thinking very U.S.-centric and the current markets. Um, it does Mexico producing another car, especially at a lower price point, um, make open up the door to selling a lot of vehicles um, in South America, Central America. And, you know, like we still are very... Like we're very Europe focused, we're very Asia focused, very North America focused, but, you know, South America, Central America, you know, if you can get Tesla's down there at a very affordable price, that could make a huge dent and, um, and just overall, uh, you know, CO2 consumption and everything. So yeah, that should be really exciting. But just from a market perspective, they're never going to be sold there before they meet demand here because the market here will always pay more than the market down there. So even if they were shipped to South America, someone would ship them up here and sell them. Oh, well, I'm wondering if, you know, if there is another factory that pops up either, um, either in the existing space in Austin that can supply the North America market. And then we have an additional factory of similar size to supply the Southern market or Canada, you know, supplies North America. Um, but that's kind of what I want to see is, is there, you know, a, a, a concerted effort to expand the markets that, that they can sell in. And that's, that's how you get to 20 million, 20 million vehicles. I don't think you get there just by selling in the existing markets. So. 100% agree. Yep. Cool. Bob. Yeah. I never realized how smart Rodman was. Um, uh, Snap. <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, I, I agree 100%. I think it would be very interesting if Tesla had a, a Central America, South America model and penetrated that market. And 
I disagree somewhat with Hans. I think there's unmet demand for Tesla vehicles in the large cities in South America. And I think they would pay in those large cities. In Brazil, I mean, you know, Brazil obviously wanted a te Tesla facility. Um, so I think there would be a market and it would be a very profitable market in the large cities. And it would be a way of expanding to an area that Tesla has, you know, that and basically Africa are the areas that are least penetrated, I think. Um, it'd be a way of penetrating further. And I think, um, again, I think Canada is still in the cards. So I think a, additional supply of vehicles can come from Canada to supply North America. And the uh, Mexico factory could supply Central and South America, or, you know, a, I guess it can go anywhere. As long as there's a port, it can go anywhere. And also uh, having more factories geographically spread about reduces the costs of delivery, right? So if I'm producing cars in California and sending them all the way up to New Hampshire, right? It's going to be much easier to send a car from Canada to like Northern parts of North America or of, of the United States. And yeah, I, I, getting more factories up at this size, yeah, I think is a really like a good sign that I want to see. And that is one of the arguments for Canada over Mexico is that, you know, as far as North American deliveries, then you would want something that is closer to that northern eastern portion of the U.S. that's not currently, that it's just harder to get vehicles to. So, yeah, and then that ties back into what you were saying before. Okay, so maybe the Mexican Gigafactory, if we do have enough supply to really cover U.S. demand, then maybe that's more, or even for different products too, besides cars. Um, if uh, if you just joined us uh, real quick, I want to get you guys caught up. We did start this live stream uh, about forty five minutes ago with a different topic, and then we learned that the uh, that the Mexican government has uh, apparently announced that Tesla has chosen their next uh, Gigafactory location, which will be in Mexico somewhere. Uh, we're going to see if uh, it's true or not. Uh, there's also a tweet from Sawyer Merritt not too long ago. Sawyer usually is my go-to for all Tesla news. Shout out Sawyer. Tesla has chosen Mexico as a location to expand its operations. And Elon Musk will speak with Mexican President Andres Manuel López Obrador, Mexico's top diplomat, said Friday. Uh, and again, this conversation is supposed to happen today. And we're just having a discussion around the likelihood of this uh, being true, uh, which it seems like we've gotten a couple... Uh, reputable <laughs> folks, uh, news outlets reporting on this. And in my heart, Sawyer is the most reputable. So if Sawyer says it's happening, then uh, I, I, uh, he, he carries the most weight. So sh shout out, shout out, uh, Sawyer. Um, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt the conversation. I, I, I wasn't sure if it was going somewhere. Um, okay. Most sorry, of our conversation about doesn't go anywhere. <laughs> That's so thank you very much for sticking with us in the public out there uh we did put a poll together uh that's that's running right now for those that are watching this it should be uh linked at the at the top of the uh of the uh, uh channel and the jokes in the private chat continue i love it uh please do vote on it uh, it might be limited on its um on its uh sort of options but do let us know uh what you think the gigafactory in texas will actually make the the one thing that you guys said that was very fascinating to me is that there is i do believe there is a big market for teslas 
in uh, other nations that Tesla doesn't usually uh, sell into that could be gigantic boons to its business. And one of the things you said is like, hey, these major urban areas in South America. So, you know, places in Brazil, Argentina, uh, all these other, you know, countries, uh, Chile, obviously in Mexico and in North America, you know, maybe in Central America, there's some opportunities as well. But um, that's the big lever. I think that's very not well understood about why the Mexican Gigafactory could be such a huge deal because it allows Tesla a to leverage again low cost of labor proximity to raw materials and it's directly in line with master plan part three and how do we bring the humans population not just uh call it first world developed U.S. Europe you know China sort of thing but everybody every single country in the world to this uh, next generation technology. And I bet you those those customers, those people in, in, in those countries have very different world worldviews than we do in this panel. Uh, and, and I think that's one, one thing. So when we're talking about like, hey, some of the politics that Elon has, some of his verbiage that most folks might, uh, some folks might be uh, like hesitant with, I think those things go completely out the window and it just turns into how cool is this thing and how much money is it gonna save me uh, every single day. And that's where I think Tesla and companies like BYD will absolutely destroy everybody, completely destroy. I was on a space with uh, the Tesla Ghana Club from Africa uh, last week. And some of the stats I was getting from those folks was that um, the cost of fuel in Ghana was a $4.50-ish per gallon, and the cost per kilowatt hour was about $0.10 cents per kilowatt hour. And for people to buy cars in, in, in Ghana, they, they offer very little form of like things like financing that um, where people are able to, say, take out a loan and buy a car. Everybody buys their car cash, and these cars are used, uh, used not new, like new, new, but they're actually used, and they're all imported. Okay, imagine a company like Tesla through Master Plan Part 3 and all its different capabilities, localizing the production in those countries and then offering this, um, say, compact car that's going to cost them probably less than $20,000 to 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 build uh, and and ship to those countries. One of my questions to the to the Tesla Ghana Club was, what is the average price of a car uh, for people to buy? And they're like, it's like $35,000, dollars $35,000. And again, this is cash. They have to pay cash. And they're not new. They're used because they're imported from other markets because they don't have local production. Okay. So like this is the kind of scope we have to view Tesla's sort of next 10 years through. And of course, uh, different countries are going to have different levels of development when it comes to their infrastructure and affordability and GDP and all that good stuff and how much people can afford. But in reality is there is five, five to six billion people on planet Earth that can afford something at some point. And if Tesla is able to bring the cost of uh, entry for a transportation unit as low as humanly possible, and the cost to maintain and run that transportation unit is way cheaper than a gas car is today, and you can charge it at your house, and you're not depend dependent on additional infrastructure with gas stations, this whole thing explodes. It becomes gigantic, right? And of course, we're talking about Giga Mexico, and this is uh, still not nowhere near close to hitting the entire world's population. Um, and obviously, Mexico's economy is strong, and people can afford stuff in Mexico. But, but we're starting to open the the, the floodgates for what it means for Tesla to be a true global player. And uh, people are not 
I, I would argue that most people are still stuck in the Tesla is a luxury car maker and we nobody can afford their cars. And um, Giga Mexico is one example on how this is going to change dramatically. Shanghai was really the first one that changed this equation. And now Giga Mexico is going to change it even further. Um, sorry for that rant. It's just there was a lot in my brain I wanted to get out. My apologies. Who wants to go? I, I would just say that we have to be careful with this because there's no real clear first we don't have confirmation from tesla and second we don't know what tesla's intentions with them with the new factory would be if this is true so there is some questions still so i would just like if you're using this as investment advice which it's not <laughs> just be it's careful, not right? not at all <laughs> yeah this is just me just trying to get my brain out and like thinking about long term what what is what could this what is this a stepping stone to so let me make sure i contextualize this this is a stepping stone to what i just described and the fact that it's going this direction i think is proof that it's not like a lucid that's going to saudi arabia like it's it's going to get bought off by saudi arabia uh, the fund to try and make just luxury goods for the people that can afford it that tesla is really investing into how to figure out how to be a mass market uh, thing that most people can afford. And that is a, a thing that just, I think, is lost on, on a lot of people trying to model the, the company long term. Um, yeah, thank it, you for that. Thank you for right. that insight. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's mainly like if we see these moves and then we see like efforts to sell more of these vehicles inside the inside, into South America, that's a huge sign that, you know, Tesla is really expanding its. Uh, what it sees as its markets. And I, I, that's what I want to see, <clears throat> especially as an investor. Yeah. Yeah. Hans or Bob? And we just got to remember, there's like almost one and a half billion cars in the global fleet. And it's going to take a long time, regardless of how many cars, even if Tesla were to blow past 20 million cars a year, it's still going to take a long time to replace all those gas vehicles. And then even if you say, hey, like we get robo taxi functionality that allows one car to replace five cars it's still a long time look at that standing mirror with the pluck bro i should hire you as my marketing guy <laughs> uh, as this has brought it up and producer wife brought it up just to give you a heads up we do a uh, a follow-up discussion on fridays where we do it on my private discord if you want to be part of those discussions click on join right below right here you'll see it live streamed as well to all the community members um, and it'll be it was something that we just continue from after this discussion is over. Right in about uh, forty minutes, we'll be moving over to the to the uh, Discord discussion. Um, yeah, look at you, look at this, great. Um, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Who had a thought here? Yeah, I was going to say uh, it, it's consistent. One, it's consistent with what we've heard. The the Mexico we've heard it the last few months, so it just kind of seems like it was going to happen. It's consistent with the kind of global penetration, um, so it makes sense. The one thing that was confusing to me, unrelated to this, but related to this, was Charlie Munger's rant about BYD and Tesla. I don't know if you saw that. Now, Charlie Munger is getting up there. He's probably like mid to late 90s at this point in time. 99. He, how, how old? He's 99. Okay, that's, that's late. That's late 90s. Um, and he was pretty uh, uh, excited and enthusiastic, but I, it didn't really make a lot of sense. He basically 
thought that uh, BYD, or at least he portrayed that BYD was way ahead of Tesla in China, but didn't explain why Berkshire had sold a, a good chunk of their BYD, so they own a much smaller percentage. Um, so it didn't seem to be consistent. And to be honest, people are reluctant to kind of challenge him because he's 99 and they don't want to appear like they're being a dick by questioning. <laughs> no, I mean, I think it's serious. I think it's true. They, he's entitled to respect, but he's also entitled to be challenged in a respectful way. But people have this thing, and I understand it. They want to be respectful to very elderly, and so they don't challenge him. But that was kind of unhinged. And it certainly challenged Tesla's domination in China. I mean, disruption has classically never been something that Warren Buffett or Charlie Munger have ever understood. And so it's just not their wheelhouse. And so, you know, he can have a swing and a miss in something that's not up his alley. That's fine. I mean, I've done a, I've done a bit of research on BYD. And my, my main problem with BYD is not that they produce a much lower cost car, but it's that you, we can't really tell like how well <clears throat> BYD is doing as an EV manufacturer, as far as profits. Uh, the main problem is they combine all the profits into one thing. So you have hybrids and EVs and with any of these manufacturers, even in the U S a lot of the profits come from having a traditional car if you have a hybrid, you have a smaller battery pack, the costs are a lot lower. But like if you have a full EV, trying to sell a full EV profitably is a much difficult, more difficult challenge than selling a hybrid at profit. And so it could be that BYD sells, gets most of their profits and more of their sustainability as a company from, uh, from selling hybrids than EVs. But there's no way to know because they don't separate it. Um, at least that I've seen in, the, in the, the amount of research I've tried to do, I could never figure out a way to split it. Um, you could try to cut, you can multiply the sales of each vehicle by their cost to get the revenues, but you still don't have a separation of the costs. And without that, there's just no way to know, like they could be making, they could be losing money on every single uh, EV and they could be making a ton of money on the hybrids. There's just no way to know. And until we see that, <clears throat> There's no way to prove in the long term that this company is sustainable, right? So from a from a financial standpoint. So Yeah, and that doesn't even take into account the asterisk that has to go on to any Chinese books, period. Yep. Oh my god. Yeah, don't even get me started. I stopped investing in uh Chinese companies for you can get so screwed because they, there's no there's no accountability in what they the numbers they put in. There's no SEC to like enforce anything, even though our SEC barely enforces it. <laughs> so, I mean, it's, it's, but I mean, at least we have, we have uh, an ability to like, if someone is, uh, is being fraudulent, there's a way to like, there's accountability. There is like things to pro prevent that from happening in the U S but there's not so much in the China. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I could file a lawsuit against somebody like I did. I mean, ultimately that's your remedy. But I wanted to correct a, 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 miscon a common error that people make. Uh, I just wanted to make sure it was corrected. Hans just made it. And I wanted to make sure there was no dispute. So he was referring to Warren Buffett. The correct pronunciation is Warren Buffet. So 
please correct that for future reference. If you like, if you would like to hear more amazing puns, please visit Not Legal Advice on YouTube. <laughs> um, yeah, is Warren also related to Phoebe Buffay? I think Warren Redlick. <laughs> it's all, it's all, they're all the same person, basically. They're all, they're all from the same family. Um, crap, I was going to say. Oh, so, so the, the BYD uh, uh, profitability thing and sort of coming off of the Mexico discussion, and we'll keep talking about Mexico. Don't worry, y'all, as you're joined. We're going to do an extended Q&A here. You guys cool, cool with extended Q&A uh, for the last 30 minutes or so? Okay, perfect. Um, the even more props to Ford, again, for willing to break out their earnings starting in Q1 to separate out electric and gas. I am telling you guys, this is such a ballsy move by Jim Farley. It, it, he should be given so much credit, the Ford CEO, for for riding the ship the way he he's trying to do it. Rob covered this on on Tesla Daily yesterday or the day before as well. Uh, shout out to Rob, by the way, um, huge huge fan. I think all of us watch Rob every freaking day. So <laughs> go ahead, Rob. You know what? Hence, let's give uh, Rob Mauer a, a round of applause. The most consistent reporter on on freaking Tesla YouTube for real. Like he deserves so much credit. Um, where where he was talking about how Jim was having a lot of very uh, honest, candid conversations around how how Ford needs to get their costs under control, and the rest of the industry needs to get their costs under control as well. And them separating out their earnings report in Q1 is something that I'm going to cover on this channel. If you're interested in, in seeing me cover that in the same way that we cover the Tesla earnings, I'm going to start covering Ford's earnings in the same exact manner because I think it 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 deserves the attention because it's going to be the it's going to be the the guiding light towards where this industry is going long term, uh, especially from a profitability perspective. BYD is a different animal because they're in China and they have a whole different set of rule sets they have to navigate through. But at least we can use Ford as a sort of uh, uh, as a proxy to try and understand how companies that have both gas and electric uh, or say or a hybrid and electric drivetrains on the same company, how they're able to navigate through this uh, crazy environment that we're in. Don't you think that supports the fact that they're going to spin off the electric division at some point in time? A hundred percent. Yeah, they will have to. I think that, I think every single legacy automaker will have to do that. Uh, and I'm just waiting for your GMs and your Stellantis's and everybody else, your your Hondas, your I mean, Honda, Toyota, the Japanese manufacturers are so behind the ball with this stuff. It's kind of wild. Um, the Koreans are actually props to them. They're moving as fast as they can. They're your Ionics. And your uh, EV6s and all these the Kia Hyundai cars, they're, I mean, they're making good cars. They just have to figure out how to do it profitably. Um, it will happen. I think every single automaker will break them out. They will, they will have to. Otherwise, they're just going to, they're not going to be able to, they, they're not, the EV business is not going to be able to carry the, the, the hundreds of billions of dollars of liabilities and assets that are tied to the industry that's going out of favor, that's going to depreciate like a rock. It just, it's literally impossible. So they're going to have to create separation. Well, and then they're also encumbered by the business models, too, that they have used historically, which are not adapted to the new market and the new product. So that's something that, like, I still don't know how well that's going to work, even for Ford. I think that they have the best chance. And at least they have a company history of being extremely vertically integrated and then kind of dispersing that over time. Um, so culturally it may not be as difficult of a shift for them to bring a lot more things back in house, but you know, I don't know how much that's going to be possible with a lot of union contracts and 
supplier contracts that they have entered into that are, you know, long, long standing contracts. Dealership network is the biggest liability, in my opinion. Yeah, you know, and I'm going to do uh, do something on this also, but there and it's not something to discuss, but the structure, the Tesla structure without the dealers, besides everything else that it does, it saves hundreds of millions in legal costs. Um, I'm not going to go into it here. I'm going to do a video on it, but it's something that's like this hidden profit center. And I've never heard anybody address it. Isn't that a cliffhanger there? Not legal advice. Go visit. Someone, someone should do YouTube. that. Yeah. <laughs> so who, who would do it? If only there was someone in the community. Only. Um, yeah. I, I just want to go back to Rob. Like he's been talking about uh, Jim Farley and Ford. And I mean, I know there's a lot of negativity around Ford or just any legacy automaker. But I mean, you really do have to appreciate that uh, Jim Farley, like, it seems like he's more willing to learn and study Tesla and try to figure out what needs to be done to course correct instead of just kind of putting their head in the sand, which a lot of other companies like Toyota, BMW. Um, yeah, there's just so much like head in the sandness mm -hmm. that's going on that it's like you really need to study, you need to learn what you're doing wrong and then you need to make changes and you need to do it quickly. And there's so much against them. And then just hearing his own comments that appeared, you know, recently saying that at that one conference there, they asked uh, all these investors uh, whether uh, other companies, legacy companies could catch up to Tesla. And it was something like 92% of those investors. Yeah. In cost. And then, Farley admitting that he's part of that 92% that doesn't believe they yep. can catch up, but at least he's making, at least he's like trying to understand and trying to mm -hmm. study the competition and make changes. And he's made them. I mean, he's made like, they're reducing their reliance on, on, uh, on the, the dealerships, you know, they're trying to get the dealerships to really invest in uh, putting in charging infrastructure and to education uh, they're doing stuff like separating the two companies so that you can really mm -hmm. see whether the EVs truly make a profit. Uh, I mean, they're doing a lot of stuff and they're, you know, like even uh, Joe Justice, like I think he's been at Ford, I believe I could be wrong about that, but he's like, uh, I believe he's one of the, those were one, Ford was one of the companies he consulted with. So, you know, just seeing them make the changes so that they can adapt the product line quickly, which, you know, he's talked about doing that too. So, they're not Tesla, but they're trying mm -hmm. to use Tesla as a model for improvement. And like, that's the only way that you get from where they are today to like survival and whether they do it or not, big question. Yeah. I think that transforming Ford to be a profitable electric car company is going to be at least similarly difficult. Um, you know, the same order of magnitude as it was to start Tesla and to make that a successful company. And so if you use that as the mental framework, what it makes me suspect is that it will require the same type of superhuman Herculean effort on somebody like Jim Farley's part that it took from Elon. And so like, yes, Jim Farley is moving in the right direction, but 
is Jim Farley going to go sleep in the factory? Is he going to work a hundred hour weeks? Is he going to travel, like be at every single um, stage of the company, like to know the company top to bottom from every manufacturing facility to every supplier that way that Elon does. Um, and I mean, it just is really, really, really hard. So my comment there is that he he doesn't need to do that to survive uh, to survive into the next generation vehicle. But how close he gets to do that will dictate his market size and the profitability of the company. That's the way I think about that. But yeah, you make a gonna, really good point. Yeah, I was going to say yeah. that I think Ford has to downsize their business. They have to because most of their business is doesn't exist, really. The ice business, that's a non-existent business, but that's most of their sales. They have to basically get rid of that. That business is going to go bankrupt. It'll be done off the books. Their biggest issue is going to be, I think, how they deal with the UAW. That's going to be their biggest issue. When they BK the plant, uh, the unions are going to bitch and moan. They're going to have to accommodate them in some fashion in maybe the in the EV side. But I think that's the bigger issue than uh, how they escape by BKing their dead weight. Yeah. Hans, any, anything there? Yeah, I would say, so I have a question first. Why do you think that their survival is not at stake as much as their size? Like, what is the thought process behind that? You're asking me or you're asking Bob? Yeah, you. Me? Why, why there's why their survival is is uh, can you ask the question again one more time please why do you think that they can produce electric vehicles and survive what and how close jim gets to being more elon like in the amount of yeah. effort and all that 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 will determine the size not necessarily whether they survive or not a hundred percent yeah because i mean there's things like bankruptcy there's things like bailouts there's things like uh, people buying you out <laughs> or, or like investing in the company right there's a lot of different things that can come in and and, and sort of quote unquote rescue the company i think it, the way i think about it is um there's still going to be a hundred million cars that are going to be trying to be bought uh say by 2030 maybe more and tesla is not going to be able to make a hundred million cars so Tesla's going to be able to make 20 million cars in a best case scenario based on their very bullish guidance, which leaves the pie open for uh, 80 million cars to be sold into that market. Um, so you could have a situation where you have Ford and a bunch of different automakers from China potentially that are doing that, but Ford will be a shell of its former self. There won't be this uh, titan of industry that is shipping uh, 4 million cars per year that employs hundreds of thousands of people that have a supply chain that sprawls all over the place. There will be a company that has tapped into the different supply chains that now companies like Tesla and BYD and others have created. They'll figure out how to make that as lean as humanly possible to try to take a small piece of the pie. As far as the TAM goes, they'll probably make a little bit of money because again, he's not sleeping at the factory to try and figure out how to make this as, uh, as, as beautifully engineered as humanly possible and then they'll sell instead of four million cars per year they might sell a million cars per year all of them will be great cars but they'll make five percent margin they won't make 30 percent margin oh and by the way they probably can't drive themselves unless they use tesla's full self-driving software that's how i think about it does that answer 
Yeah, it does. Um, in so like if that is the future, my question is why don't they just go burn the boats? Like, sell all of your ice manufacturing now while it still has some, like you can get more money out of that now than you will be able to seven years from now. And so get rid of it and just go hog wild. Would you do you, that, that if you were in his shoes? UAW. UAW. They can't. They yeah. can't. They're not, they're, they're not, they wouldn't be permitted to do it. You don't think that they could sell a plant to another manufacturer who also has a contract with UAW? If they, yeah, they replace the jobs, but why would the other company, you know, hinder that's themselves by being stuck with the union? I don't think it would be, I don't think that's the future model. I, I don't either, but I, there are people that still believe in that today. Like there are more buyers for that today than there will be a year from now, two years from now, five years from now, 10 years from now. And so if it's possible, like the window is closing. I would I think, argue there's no buyers today. You think not? Yeah, yeah, I think the solution is retraining the UAW workers. That's again, I think you have to account for them. They're going to be the obstacle to all the ICE companies. So as long as you give them a career, uh, it's going to be a better career. But if you give them a new career, you know that's a, that's a job with a pension with whatever. I think that's sufficient. I, th I think the other issue is that it generates income right now. It generates profits right now. And why would you sell something that you're going to get pennies on the dollar? versus something that generates cash for you right now. And the problem I think is for all of every, every legacy company <clears throat> is when do you make that switch? Like, when do you, like, when do you stop? I mean, you're relying on this decreasing, mm. slowly declining market. Um, and you're just trying to eke out all the profits to get you to the next, mm -hmm. <laughs> to the next paycheck, which is EVs. Right. So what when when does that happen and yeah honestly so i there's one other path that i think i would pursue if i was at a legacy oem company and that would definitely be to go all in on full self-driving because i think that the battery like the supply chain for ice or for pure bevs is just not going to be able to ramp up to supply, you know, the hundred million cars a year that need to be sold. And even if it's not a hundred million cars a year fast enough, like if Tesla can reach full autonomy and robo taxis are a possibility that yes, the most prof profitable robo taxi might be a Bev robo taxi, but an ice robo taxi is still a lot more profitable than a non robo taxi ice vehicle and so like there is a window of opportunity if full self-driving is the focus to save a, a company and then whether yeah like so maybe that's you develop it maybe you follow on tesla and you have like you at least need to have your sensor suite and your supply chain and all that stuff built out that even if you're just licensing the software from tesla like you need all of the components um but yeah, I think that's that's one window of opportunity for profitable things. And then to address what you were saying, Rodman, on yes, they're profitable today, but if you could sell them, well, and I guess like that's the question. If you can't sell them because of the UAW, then that's a whole nother thing. But if you can sell them based on a multiple of current profitability, 
and declining profitability and the profitability is declining over time then the sooner you sell it the better so that's the thing to me like i'd rather get it out from under me ford ford dumped their uh full self-driving right didn't they yeah like, yeah. yeah so yeah. so maybe you know and again i think this might apply to tesla i just don't know which direction you know if somebody creates full self-driving they're going to license it license it to everybody and then so ford buys it from tesla they spend and i'm making up numbers Ford spends $10,000 per vehicle uh, uh, to buy it from Tesla, and then Ford sells it for $15,000. So it still could be a profit center for the acquirer. It could be a lot of extra income. They don't have to be first. So maybe they've made the decision. We're not going to get there. So let's uh, let's let's let somebody else get there. Then we'll adopt and we'll tack on our profit and we'll move on from there. I think, go ahead, Roman. I mean, this just goes to show, like, like the cluster. <laughs> it, it's totally because they're like the the Tesla price drop, right? They drop the yeah. price by a huge amount, and they're still profitable. Like, how do you compete with that? Like, they're just so. We've been saying this for years that, like, once Tesla yeah. gets going, they're so effed, and like now we're seeing it, and <gasps> it's like playing out like right in front of our faces, and like slowly. But right? surely, but the the one thing that is different, we've talked a lot about how there's an, an analogy between Apple and and Tesla. W one thing that T Apple was able to do was they were able to ramp the iPhone production much easier than it is to ramp cars, right? Because you're talking about a much smaller amount of like whatever's in your phone, uh, like the batteries and everything. Like the one saving grace that the entire legacy auto has is that Tesla cannot produce enough cars. If they could, if they could produce infinite cars to supply all the demand, like everyone would be so, they would be already be gone. Like Here's the just, problem though. Yeah. The problem is that Tesla has a switch that can pull in full self-driving that will automatically 5X their fleet. Right. That's, that's the, that's the, like, that's the sudden nature of the, of the, of the, uh, uh, demand thing being solved is that you might be an automaker that's like, well, I, we have time because it's so hard. And then Tesla, if full self-driving works and the robo-taxi network does come online in the say next two to three years, like the full actual one that they can monetize, then all of a sudden they five X, they're literally five X their, their, their fleet because of the capacity or probably more 10 X, honestly, as long as people are willing to add their cars to the fleet. That's a phenomenal point, but it's like Tesla has a solution for that. <laughs> I was hoping we'd get into this because like we just saw the green, the only posts about the hardware four and the new yeah. camera suite, right? So which I never got into. <laughs> yeah, which if you want to, we could get into. I want to do q and I want to do Q&A and then maybe we'll do that for the, you know what? We'll use that as a carrot for the for the private discussion. If you'd like to join us after our Q&A session to uh, discuss the hardware four thing and how this whole discussion's uh, going through it, uh, consider becoming join right below. Right after we're done with this portion of it, we're going to go into our, our, our private discussion with my community. It'll be live stream on this channel as well, but only if you're a member. And then we'll also give you access to our Discord so you can join the discussion as well if you'd like. Let's go ahead and post the poll and go get into Q&A and then uh, continue our discussion. What will Giga Mexico manufacture? 44% uh, of you say all of the above, which is cars, megapacks, and batteries. 30% say um, it's just cars. Batteries is 16%. Megapacks is 7%. Uh, so it does look like most of you think Mega Giga Texas will manufacture, or Giga Mexico will manufacture all of those three above, uh, with the next one being just a, a car factory. 
So thank you all so much for taking part of this poll. Um, and uh, let's go ahead and get into Q&A. Uh, let's go ahead and pull up the questions, only the best ones. Only the best ones. I was trying uh, to do an extended Q&A, but the discussion got so good, I didn't want to derail it. Uh, Brian Silver, question. Could Ford source battery tech and powertrains from Tesla and change to Tesla connector uh, to survive? That's a phenomenal question. How do you guys think about this? Who wants to take this one? Do you have thoughts? Should I share my thoughts? Brian, go, go ahead. Go for it. Yeah. You go. Okay. Yeah. yeah it's, I think it really depends on how much battery supply Tesla has and how much they're willing to, how much demand there is for it from other people. So if Tesla can't consume all their power batteries and sell to the market, which doesn't seem to be the case, then this could be a possible option. But as long as Tesla has enough battery supply and use for their own batteries, like there's no chance that it ever happens, right? Hans, I would take it a little bit of a different direction with that. As far as now batteries, yes. Battery tech is a little bit different that, you know, there is potential down the line for other battery manufacturers and potentially even in conjunction with OEMs to license Tesla's manufacturing process for batteries so that they can produce 4680s with a dry battery electrode manufacturing process so that they can ramp up their supply chain faster and easier. Um, and so there might be some potential there, you know, powertrains, I think are kind of, that's not a constraining factor. And so whether it was licensing powertrain designs or potentially even purchasing powertrains, um, potentially, but I don't think that that is something that the, legacy companies don't feel like they can do on their own either. So I don't know that that's super likely. Bob? I don't think they, I don't think they would source anything that could be re reverse engineered. Uh, Cause I don't think they'd want to give away their technology. So if their powertrains have some exceptional ability as opposed to any other powertrains, I don't think they provide them. Um, Cause I think they would, wouldn't want the technology to be, they wouldn't want Ford to basically tear apart their powertrain, figure out how to make it, and then they kind of shot themselves in the foot. They but Sandy already does that. Yeah, he tears apart their motors and then sells the OEMs the report on how they're made. Yeah, it's called yeah. it's called taking 150000 from R&D and buying a, a Tesla Model S Plaid. <laughs> I, but unfortunately, I don't think Ford makes a Tesla powertrain as of yet. What do you mean? No, I, I, Hans was kidding about uh, Sandy Monroe selling the... Oh, oh. the yeah, I mean, they may have seen the reports, but nobody's making them. Yeah. But they know how. That's what I'm saying. Like, the the engineering expertise can be purchased. Yeah, it's it's what, what these manufacturers don't have. It's the engineering of the production line. That is what really is uh, the key thing here. It's the scaling of these of these. Uh, of these technologies. Um, I think Ford can survive on their own if they make really, really hard decisions and they are okay with dramatically downsizing their company and navigating through the UAW complexities and through the dealership network complexities. If they can somehow shed the dealership network somehow and uh, rejigger their supply chain and also work with the UAW to uh, not be a drag on labor, then they could make it happen. But boy, is that going to be difficult to do? 
uh, it's going to be extremely difficult. But I, I, Jim so far has proven himself to be, I think, a leader that knows what he needs to do. Let's see if he can actually do it. Shout out, Jim. Jim, if you're ever, dude, if you're watching this, come on. I would love to interview you. I swear to God, it'd be the fairest interview in the world. I swear. I want Ford to survive. I promise. I, Let's I get Jim to come on the channel. <laughs> I agree with Hans, though, that they could certainly sell their manufacturing processes to, you know, yeah. to, to help others manufacture more efficiently and a better rate without exposing their, uh, you know, their uh, trade secrets, et cetera. It's but it's the, more uh, culture to make sure that it sticks. So that's the problem. Like, how many times would you hire somebody to put a process in your company, but then it falls apart because you don't have the culture to keep it up? That's that's the big challenge with that. Sorry, Rodney. Yeah, I was just saying that it fits with the mission, the Tesla mission, accelerate yeah. the world's ex whatever something. <gasps> you can't say it right. Oh my god! <laughs> All right, next one. Next question. Uh, from X. Oh, I can't pronounce it. But great name. Question: What is the status of Tesla's ability to extract lithium from seawater or the plot of land they purchase for this purpose in Nevada? We might hear about this more in Investor Day. What do you guys? What do you guys think? I haven't heard anything. No clue. Nobody. Yeah, I haven't heard anything on this either. I think the the most likely next source of lithium that I keep hearing about is you know direct direct lithium extraction from brines that are currently already being processed for some other industrial use. So it may be related to oil field um, or other heavy industry things where you've already got a very, very high concentration salt fluid that is being used. And um, yeah, currently there's lithium there that's no one's doing anything with. And so going after that, I think is probably the most likely next source um but we'll see how that plays out and i think um it's not necessarily and i'm speaking more long term it's not necessarily a shortage of lithium it's an absence of refining refinery capacity to refine the lithium and i know like uh, i believe tesla's building a refinery in texas for a lithium refinery but i yeah. think that's ultimately the issue you just can't refine it fast enough to to get it to be in a usable form and I forget where they're doing. I forget if it's Bastrop or Corpus Christi or somewhere. It might be Corpus Christi. I forget where, but they're, they are building something. Um, next question, please. Ba -ba -da -da. Bend over. Question. <laughs> you son of a... Uh, question. What year do you... And I love the backwards question mark. It's uh, Spanish. It's, it's on topic today. We're at Giga Mexico. What year do you speculate Tesla bought Optimus will have a serious impact on production profitability? Oh, man. Uh, a serious impact. So we have to like, we have to give some sort of number to serious. So I'm going to say ability to lower cogs by 20%. I, I would, I would think that's it. Or would you say 10%? Like what's, what's serious in your mind? 20% is that fair? 20% reduction in cogs. Um, I'm not going to add till 2030, probably if I were to guess just so seven years. How do you guys think about this? I don't know. I think we need more data points from Tesla, but the speed with which they were able to get stuff done in the past year is pretty mind-blowing. So another year, I mean, we've already, when was AI day? It was in September-ish. Mm -hmm. So another, we got another nine months. <laughs> I mean, You think in nine months they're going to have a serious impact? I mean, no, no, no. I mean, in another nine months, what are we going to see? Yeah, so we don't. We just have no oh. idea, right? 
So, but if you were to speculate, mm-hmm. yeah, it's just hard to. I would say it's hard to speculate because it's two exponential curves. Like you've got first of all, because what is it having an impact on? If you're saying it's having an impact on global car production, and we're already at the point that we're making ten, you know, if it's 2030, and we're making between 10 million cars and 20 million cars, you have to have your manufacturing of bots significantly ramped up by that point to be able to make an impact on the manufacturing of that many cars so yeah it's pretty difficult i would say that i would expect in five years so somewhere 2027 2028 for the product to it be clear if it's going to have a major impact on production uh, yeah, manufacturing efficiencies moving forward. Bob? I'd like to speculate. I love to speculate. Um, so I would figure a couple more years of uh, design improvements, et cetera, and then maybe three years of production to get in sufficient numbers where it has a material impact. So the date that we go positive is July 14th, 2028. Write it down. <laughs> Somebody in the comments... Somebody in the comments, make sure this is clipped, like, and let's put it somewhere that it's safe, maybe on a Bitcoin wallet or something. So it's forever kept uh, for us to, to, to do. Terrible maybe joke. We give it, maybe we can give SBF it and he'll keep it safe. Yeah, good call. <laughs> awesome. Not a sponsor of FTX. Next question. <laughs> uh, T Nelly, question. To maximize battery and tax incentives, will Tesla only build the new compact model in North America, so it, that's that's a uh, interesting question. I do believe it's going to be definitely in China, and in, and it's definitely also going to be in North America. Um, but I don't think it's only going to be in North America. How do you guys think about this? I think it only needs to be new compacts that are sold to North America only need to be built in America. So if you're not selling it in America, there's no reason to build it in America. <clears throat> you got it. Hans, Richard? Yeah, I think at some point in time to service Asia, they have to have it in Asia also. Uh, so it'd be not without regard to the tax incentives. It's just a market they have to service. Yeah. Yeah, this will be a pretty global car. I think each market's going to get their own slightly tweaked version for sure. Um, and, and we'll see how, how they work. But hopefully we get more, more uh, detail on this on Investor Day. Uh, next question. Uh, Martin, question. Martin's been uh, on, on, on almost all these live streams. Thank you so much for your support, Martin. Uh, question. Um, yeah, clap, 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 clap. A lot of you have, actually. I'm going to make sure I give everybody credit. What could be revealed on March 1st that would really drive the stock? No FSD or bot answers, please. I was thinking bot and FSD. I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> um, what do you guys think? I'm, I'm going to think about this. I don't, I don't want to pass the buck. but And again, this is speculation, not financial advice. I know what uh, the MAGA pack guys would say. What JP would they say? And uh, zero oh. sum. <laughs> um, so. Yeah, I would say something along those lines, probably where there is a where there's something that the stock market is not valuing in right now that is about to go live in big numbers that would dramatically change the profitability of the company or, or, or how much money the company can make in the short to medium term. And it sounds like energy would be a big one. Go ahead. Cybertruck yeah. would be the other one. Hmm. 
like Cybertruck is modeled already, right? Um, I, if they were to say something along the lines of Cybertruck production is beginning in April and we expect 100,000 deliveries in 2023, no. Um, which right. I don't expect that either, but that would be something that could potentially be revealed. Accelerating accelerating yeah. the current... That, that could definitely make... I think it's a new product line. I, I happen to think, you know, if it comes out and says Mexico factory will be up and running the end of 2024, uh, Quebec will be up and running the end of 2025, uh, Indonesia will be up and running the end of 26, and he does like a staircase to support the global worldwide expansion... Uh, I think that would make the stock uh, shoot. And, and that's that's totally correct, because I think even guys like uh, James Stevenson and a lot of people who do models, they're only predicting based on the current production. So once you start to put in new factories, then you can say, okay, now I can justify an expanded number for this product line because I can see that there's actually production capacity there. So ex increasing production capacity is probably the biggest, easiest answer to this perfect let's do one more and then we'll move on to our uh, our members only stream oh farzan misbahi live rodman came up with the fml uh shorthand i love it charles 60 question now that they are talking will president biden give elon a ride in his vet and if he does will give elon give president biden a ride in an amount of less plat honestly i think that would be awesome i think i think if there is a way for if there is a way for Tesla and Elon and uh, and the current administration to come together in, in more ways, I think it will help create a little bit of uh, it will heal some of the division, it, like in very small part that we suffer as a civilization a little bit right now. And I think if 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 there's some way to mutually come together to move us forward. I think it's positive. And if it's this and making it into like maybe Jay Leno invites, uh, you know, Joe Biden and Elon and they do like a swap car thing and they race each other and Biden's like, oh, look, your car is faster than mine. But I remember back in the whatever, you know, whatever Joe Biden does, I can't what I'm the worst impressionist in the world. But I think that would be really cool. What do you guys think? <laughs> I thought that was a fantastic impression, by the way. <laughs> Thanks for lying. <laughs> uh, my concern would be like, uh, Elon takes him in the plaid, he hits the gap, and Biden has a coronary, <laughs> and Elon... I shouldn't be laughing about this. I, I, he's accused <laughs> of killing the president intentionally. That's, that's my... I think that would be the first time the, the, the mob coming after him would actually be warranted. <laughs> yeah. I think he would actually kill him in the roadster, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. It would snap his neck. I think, oh, I remember when... when uh, when uh, Oh, nice, Tom. Yeah, uh, thank you, Tom. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> Go ahead, Robin. No, go ahead. Oh, when uh, when he was on with uh, Jay Leno, like I remember, like Elon was like, "Okay, make sure your like heads against the headrest or something." Was there something like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like because it like it's enough acceleration to like yeah, yeah. give you like neck drama. <laughs> yeah. Imagine Lons. Biden hooked up to like an EKG yeah. while he's in the car. And, oh my you know, God. See, I right. think <laughs> the. Elon will totally give the person who wrote that tweet, who is not Joe Biden, a ride in his Model S plus. Yeah, <laughs> fair enough. <laughs> the intern that wrote that tweet is welcome to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll see. We'll see. I do think I do think it's promising that 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 tweet was made around uh, uh, 
the the person who pretended to be Joe Biden on the tweet to give props to Elon with a supercharger network in some way. But I do I do hope maybe like maybe naive part of me says like, hey, maybe this is like a turning point and then we can come together on this a little bit. I think that would be awesome. That'd be really, really cool. And uh, the little kid part of me says, come on, everybody come together the fire or on the fire. But we'll see. We'll send Kumbaya. OK, so some housekeeping. We're not going to shift over to the members only stream. What's going to happen is this stream is going to go offline. But if you're a member uh, by clicking on join right below this video, if you haven't joined already, you're going to see a new live stream instance that's going to come up. That's going to be the panel. Plus, whoever else is in my community will jump on and we'll have a discussion together with just my members. Uh, you'll have a link to join our private discord as well, and you'll get some additional perks with that. Uh, if you have enjoyed the stream so far, I would love it if you throw give me a like. It will help more people see the stream and hopefully it was informative and helpful for you all. Um, and also uh, half of the earnings from these community forums on Friday. So as you know, I'm a YouTuber. And and I earned revenue through ads. But for every single one of these Friday streams with my community, I take half of the earnings and we put them into a community fund uh, where the community, my community chooses what to do with that money. Uh, and that money is, is growing. Uh, we'll, we'll, you know, once we decide what to do with it as a community, we'll, we'll disclose what the amount is. But it's not. It's it's uh, it's a it's a decent amount of money that can that can make some change here. So uh, if you do become part of the community, um, and and through joining uh, by the clicking on join below this video, you you will be able to decide what we do with that with those funds as a community to you know maybe we'll donate it maybe we'll build a bridge I don't freaking know but it's up to the community to decide so. Bob, Hans, Rodman, thank you so much for taking part of today's forum. Thank you, everybody, in the comment section for keeping the discussion super respectful, as always. Thank you to, for, to the mods for also always doing an amazing job. Um, and last but not least, thank you very much, Producer Wife, for producing this awesome uh, stream today. Love you, baby. You're the best. And we'll see you on the member-only stream in a minute. We'll see you in a little bit. Take it easy, everybody. We're going to do the outro video now. Check this out. Bye-bye.